Today's guest on the show is Crypto Addict. Welcome, Crypto Addict. Thank you for, uh, for taking the time. Um, just a quick disclaimer, we, we have actually met in person and we've got a lot to talk about. And um, uh, I think there's a really good, interesting subject around, uh, well, there's two very deep rabbit holes for us to go down t- today. <laughs> one in the world of Bitcoin and one in the world of alternative, in air quotes, education. So uh, Crypto Addict, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Well, let's, um, let's get a little bit uh, about your background and uh, kind of like uh, where, you, um, where you grew up and, and where, you, where you ended up and um, your professional life before finding Bitcoin and uh, all the other fun stuff that we're going to talk about. Right. Um, I was uh, born in Bulgaria and uh, graduated there in a technical university, computer science. And after I graduated, I uh, um, left for the U.S. and uh, was there for about four years and then uh, immigrated to Canada. And I call uh, my home Canada for the last 20 years. Um, But, of course, uh, three years ago, we um, started traveling with my wife and everything kind of changed. So for the last three years, we've been uh, on a lot of different places now. Um, Then my background is in uh, software development. I worked for about 18, 19 years in that. Um, Got to a director of technology for a small software company, but um, quit that when we started traveling. So that's uh, the short story of it. And uh, what, what was the kind of decision to, to quit everything uh, and start traveling? Um, it's, it was mostly the like nine to five uh, cycle and the going to work, um, not having time to, to do other things. Um, trying to earn as much income as possible to live com- comfortable life, but no matter how high you go, it's the same thing. You spend everything. <laughs> Vancouver is a very expensive city. Um, so, so yeah, we, we kind of sit down with my wife and talked about it, and it's like, I realized that that's not what we really want, to, to live that way. Um, Yes, once you have the comfortable life and you achieve some things and you start uh, thinking about other stuff and uh, it, it's not as simple as, oh, I, I need income to live, right? Then, then it gets more uh, about other things uh, in life and, um, and it, it was simply unsustainable to live that way. <laughs> it, it, for us, at least, uh, we, we don't want to do that. Did you have any kids at this stage? Uh, yes, uh, we did. Uh, I have a, a 10-year-old son. Uh, actually, he turned uh, 11 just this month. Um, and um, yeah, he was... Uh, um, when we first started traveling a bit, he was um, like two or three. But when we left uh, on our world trip, uh, he was uh, seven, I think. Right. So 
this is why we connected so well when, when we met each other, because we have pretty much the same story. Um, you know, I came to the same realization that I was on the hamster wheel and no matter how fast I was running, I was like net zero at the end of each month. And you know, what was the point for me? Right. I, I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which um, absolutely changed everything that I believed and made me realize I was living this deferred lifestyle. Um, so if you, if you look back now then, and you know, you, you've come to the realization that you, you want to, and by the way, it's never nine to five, right? <laughs> it's way more than that. It's oh, that, that is so true. <laughs> so true, especially if you're in some positions, uh, there are nights and weekends and all kinds of things like that. Yes. And, yeah. and not to talk about the stress, uh, you have to pull back and say, oh, I'm going to drive myself into the grave if you keep going sometimes uh, especially in north america it's uh, very competitive and uh, people work a lot more europe have you can have six weeks vacation where in north america is only two weeks and and a lot of other stuff uh, corporate life it's uh, it's crazy so you you've you sit down with your wife you've come to this decision like um this isn't the life for us anymore even though you've built what many would perceive to be a very successful career, like, you know, the epitome of success, right? You've, you're director of a company and uh, probably living in a nice place in, in Vancouver, an expensive city. Yeah. Huge decision to... That's, that's right. It was huge. And to tell you the truth, my wife uh, was the instigator of it. Um, mm -hmm. she, she reads a lot. She thinks a lot about different subjects. And she gives me that information and then we discuss it and uh, she instigates a lot of different uh, things that we discover or talk about and then I get into it <laughs> um, uh, and uh, yes it was a huge decision it was uh, scary uh, it's not easy uh, many people want to do it but uh, don't take action but uh, we decided uh, that we don't have uh, that much to lose. I mean, uh, you can, with my uh, uh, profession and specialty, I think I can always find a job anywhere I go. Um, I, I have that trust and I needed a change. And it was uh, like, um, we talked about education and what we're going to do with our son. And um, I was very convinced uh, that, um, I want uh, an alternative education for him and my wife uh, did a lot of research um, and we were talking about it. What about the future? What if uh, he wants to go to university and all that? And uh, in the beginning, um, like my wife was a little bit hesitant and she's saying maybe we need to set it up in a way that he can, can go to university and can succeed. I was more in the thinking of um, he will do anything he wants if if the alternative education is is what i think it is it will um, he might not even need to go to university things are changing so fast and to tell you the truth over the last four or five years i think that uh, is com confirmed for me for sure um we're gonna talk about the the schools later on but yes um i'm i'm convinced um that um people not only need to um, educate their children in a different way but also finding jobs 
and the way we are going to work in the future is going to be very different. I don't know if you heard that, listeners, but a, a huge rabbit hole just opened up. <laughs> we, are, we are going straight down there because uh, we, we both have uh, experience in, in alternative education and choosing different paths for our kids. And it's very, very difficult to do because you are faced with this barrage of um, social uh, beliefs and constraints around you. And making that decision is very, very difficult in the face of lots of criticism. So let's ask you a question about when, when you decided to take your son out of school and take more of um, a active role in his education and you started telling friends and um, close family, like, you know, this is what we're doing. What was the response from most people? Um, most people naturally have the questions of, what about when he grows up and what's going to happen? What about work? Uh, it, it's very interesting that uh, most people have this uh, notion of you have to have a corporate job. That's, that's the success. If you graduate university and you get a corporate job, that's the success they look for. Um, for me, things change so much that for me, that's the prison, it's not the success. <laughs> uh, but, but yes, uh, most people have questions around that. And, um, but uh, from kindergarten, we, uh, we started right from there. So we uh, put my son in a Montessori uh, school for kindergarten and grade one. And then in the middle of grade two is when, uh, when we left. So we, we started right from the beginning of his education to um, like Montessori is very different than how kids get educated one-on-one -on -one and they do things uh, differently and they're in groups of different age together. They teach each other and um, like the teacher is working only with one or two kids at the time. At the other times they can do pretty much anything they want, they can educate in different subjects. It's not uh, strict. Like one teacher giving uh, uh, the material to, to a classroom of 20 people and they have no idea how it's perceived, right? <laughs> What's going on <laughs> or how kids learn. It's so different. Uh, and from there, we take it to the next level and learn about word schooling and alternative education and uh, uh, democratic schools, um, open schools, so all kinds of different schools are popping up uh, in the last 10 years. Uh, and then we discovered that uh, actually there have been uh, schools like Waldorf and, and some other um, that have been for a long time, just that are not very popular uh, in the mainstream, right? Uh, very few people know about them and educate their kids like that but but they, they they did exist yeah exactly and i think it's one thing i mean, I, I know listeners are going to be thinking what the hell has this got to do with bitcoin and we will get to that but i think there's a, a great overlap between we were discussing this um you know if, if bitcoin is separating money from state i see um alternative education separating um education from state and i think that is a really important thing that people need to start thinking about is because like you say, like we all just get pushed into this mainstream educational system and we don't question it and we don't even realize there are other choices. And then it, we went down the same rabbit hole as you. We started reading the books, watching the, uh, the Ted talks like Sir Ken Robinson, for example, 
and um, John Taylor Gatto, uh, you know, John Holt, all of these guys that are like this amount of information that is out there about like, you know, what the mainstream educational system is and how it was born out of the industrial revolution and how it hasn't changed in a hundred years. And you start going down this rabbit hole, you're like, Oh my God, all these pennies start dropping. So what change did you see then in your son when you took him out around like seven years old, you, you've taken him out now, you've gone world schooling. Actually like, yeah, if you want to explain to listeners what, what is world schooling what, to you, because it's different to everybody. And uh, what change did you see not only in your, your son, but in your, in your family, in yourself and in your wife. Right. Um, so I, I don't know um, if there was a change for him per se, because he doesn't know uh, mainstream education. He's never been in it. So, but but uh, change in terms of um, world schooling. Well, for me, world schooling is... Um, very simple you travel and uh with your family and when you travel uh your kid cannot go to one particular school because it's not possible <laughs> so you have to find ways of educating and this is and long-term travel right this is like long, um, long-term yeah. travel right Just so we've been traveling for more than three years right so <laughs> during that time um we have different ways of uh, uh educating him so one is um homeschooling and using tools on the internet like Khan Academy and, 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 and other resources. Another is actually stopping at times uh, on different schools um, and uh, putting him in, in school for three or six months. Uh, for example, we, we, uh, we went to uh, Valencia International Montessori School in Spain and he did a full year there. Um, we've done uh, other places for uh, six months or three months. And you can, um, you can sign up uh, your kids to school for a shorter period uh, of time, uh, especially at this kind of schools. They are open to six months or a year or even less than that, uh, some of them. Some um, require more, um, they, they need to, to have uh, more predictability. So they, they like uh, at least a year or something like that. But so that's, that's the other way we do. And, and then the world schooling is going uh, to places where there are communities of similar uh, families and kids where they get together. And there is no school, but there are a lot of other activities like where we met in Spain on the coast. Um, and you can um, basically uh, sign up for these different activities. So my son was uh, learning Spanish, uh, art classes, um, they were doing pottery, tennis, um, a lot of different uh, classes, um, uh, skating in Spain. It was, uh, it's funny. But, uh, but yes, uh, he basically for three months uh, attended uh, seven or eight different classes um, that uh, were interested in putting him on. And that's a different aspect of, uh, of his uh, education. And uh, every kid is different, uh, but my son is very uh, curious very interested from very young age, like two or three years old. He's uh, fascinated by insects and marine life animals. So he decided on, at five years of age, he go, he's going to be an entomologist. <laughs> uh, so it's a very funny, but of course, when he 
he's growing up, he's getting into uh, uh, other things, uh, um, biology and engineering and other sciences. And uh, he's um, um, doing research on his own. Um, like we bought him a microscope and he's doing a lot of different things. And uh, he doesn't need me to uh, push him into any direction. He's, he's doing it himself uh, and uh, learning a lot about um, different subjects on his own. So that's uh, another aspect of um, open education, asking questions uh, compared to the mainstream education where you can't ask questions. You just have to learn what you're taught and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Sit down, shut up do as I say, turn to page 34 and watch my head flap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, remember everything um, that you're supposed to learn and then recite it. And that's pretty uh, much the education. Exactly. And then forget it in a year or two <laughs> because like you just got it out of the way. Oh man. Right. And my education in, uh, in Bulgaria in the university was very different. Um, like um, the old uh, type of education that we had in um, it used to be a communist country. It was very like professors. Um, if you try to recite some, something to, to them, uh, you will get a D or you will fail, right? You're not going to get uh, the exam. They wanted you not only to write the formula, but explain to them how did you come to, to that. They needed to know that you know how to to get to the conclusion. And that's the type of education that, uh, that is really good, right? Um, but now it's changing there, even there. there. Sounds like proof of work. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Let's get to that in a second. Right, okay. Um, yeah, so, so just to, to shill uh, where we did meet, we, were, we met at the World School Hub Andalusia, which was set up by um, a world schooling mama. Ellen uh, Morgan, and if anybody is considering looking at um, a digital nomad lifestyle, or they want to work uh, location independent, or they want to try out world schooling um, for a little while, I can wholeheartedly recommend going down to to like rent a house there for one to three one to three months, drop into the community. Um, we went there. We have our kids. We world school. We've got our kids in schools in France at the moment, so they can immerse and learn the language. And uh, we took them out for three weeks to go down and um, connect with the world schooling people down in uh, Andalusia. And that's where uh, we met Crypto Addict. And our kids were doing writing classes, you know, art classes, uh, drama, uh, all kinds of stuff with, you know, all kinds of different aged kids from all over the world. And it's amazing when you see the difference it makes to them. It really is. Uh, okay, so alternative education. We've, we've kind of uh, nailed that one. How then did we come to Bitcoin? What was the, uh, what was the journey into Bitcoin for you? For me, I, I've always uh, been interested in technology. Um, when I was in the university, I think the second year, um, I learned about the internet and I was fascinated. By that, I was sure I'm going to end up uh, working in that field uh, right there and then. The first uh, year when I learned about it, I uh, signed up for an email in the university. They were uh, giving you access to, to the internet and to email. Um, with, uh, I bought a computer and with a modem, I was um, 
like connecting to the uh, university's uh, internet. And from there, um, I went to cnn.com and waited for three minutes for the page to load uh, with pictures and everything. And I was like fascinated <laughs> by this technology. What year was this? That it was 1990, I think, or 1991. Wow. Wow. Uh, okay. 91. Uh, yes. And then... Um, was it still under a communist regime at that point in Bulgaria? No, 89 is when uh, everything changed. Wow. Like, imagine that then, because you wouldn't have had, if that regime hadn't have changed, that wouldn't have, surely that wouldn't have come into the universities, the internet, or, or would it? I'm, I'm not sure to tell the truth. I, I don't know. Um, wow. Uh, but uh, I think so. I think it would have been still been there. But... Mm. Um, but yeah, things changed uh, overnight and um, I was uh, into that as well, democracy and all that. Um, mm -hmm. Then it took me many years to realize that it's not what I thought it would be. I <laughs> 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 uh, live, I live uh, for a little bit the American dream, uh, which not to say there are no opportunities, there are huge opportunities, especially if you're coming from other parts of the world. Um, but once you take those opportunities and you get to the next level, you start to uh, learn about how things work uh, uh, in the U.S. and uh, it, it, you, you go to different conclusions. It, it's not uh, what you've imagined uh, when you watch movies and, uh, and all that. Um, but uh, I lost my thought. We were talking. Oh, yes. So... So I started working with uh, the internet uh, all my 18, 19 years of uh, working with different companies have been uh, building a software as a service uh, pretty much. And um, I don't remember exactly at which point, but I think it was 2014 uh, when I discovered Bitcoin. and it was the same aha moment as the internet for me. Um, I was trying to understand what it is. I heard about it. Uh, and the second time I heard about it, I thought, oh, I have to learn more about this. Uh, and um, I was interested more about the technology in the beginning. Um, I uh, uh, found uh, uh, Ethereum uh, website when they were just starting it. And was just learning about the technology. It didn't come to my mind that I should buy some materials at uh, like 20 cents or whatever it was. I totally didn't get it for some reason uh, at that point. Um, I was just learning about the technology, mostly Bitcoin. But, but I was interested in Ethereum because of the smart contract uh, capabilities and all that. Um, of course, after. Uh, a few years uh, I understood actually what Bitcoin is and then I changed my mind <laughs> about uh, all the other uh, coins we can discuss that if you want but but um, only at 2015 some point is when I got uh, into it and actually bought some Bitcoin and oh, yeah. what was the first buying uh, experience like what was around in those days for you to use uh, for me, it was um, 
not that hard uh, since I come uh, back from technology background. Uh, I've uh, learned about how to do things. The one aspect I didn't know a lot about was security and the whole uh, um, like everything around how uh, Bitcoin is secured and uh, all the, the concept behind it. I didn't uh, know about that. I have never learned about this. Um, um, and it's totally different. But, um, and, and that's why the, the first wallets that were on the internet and very insecure, like software wallets and all that, I had uh, some bad experiences with that. I think I... Mm, lost some bitcoins in one wallet <laughs> then um, showed it to my brother-in-law bought some uh, bitcoins for him put it on the wallet send it to him <laughs> uh, wanted him to learn about it uh, he got into it uh, but but yes after that uh, try try to uh, learn a lot more uh, about uh, how to secure it and learn about hardware wallets and uh, nodes and all of that but I'm still far away from uh, really being uh, into it, like uh, having my own note and all of that. Although I want to, uh, it's a lot of uh, time. Consuming. Well, it's difficult as well because you're, you're traveling all the time, right? We, yeah. We've discussed this before. It's, right. um, but there, I think there is a solution coming out there. Uh, a company called Nimble Node have been in contact with me and they're talking about um, they're going to have some kind of service for people that are on the move all the time and can have a, a, a mobile node running, which sounds very interesting. So keep an eye out for those. I'll, I'll let yes. you know if I find any more, any more out. Um, so what led you down to the trading aspect of, of Bitcoin? Because this is what you're known for on Twitter and um, right. like um, creating strategies around trading. And like, you know, you, you've got one foot firmly in the HODL camp and another foot firmly in the trading camp. So you, you must like um, watch the, the Twitter tennis match go on between HODLers and traders. And think, okay. that, that, That's right. It's very, very interesting and very fascinating. <laughs> and, um, and it's, um, you know, my own opinion, but uh, I, I still see that many, many uh, people in the Bitcoin community that know a lot about Bitcoin. I'm not talking about people that don't know about it. I'm talking about people that know about it. Um, they still uh, are, are in this peripheral thinking of, um, like, especially traders. Um, like, I'm trading it uh, to make uh, fiat money. Uh, for profit uh, spec and speculating. And, and um, I would say the bigger percentage of traders are in that camp. And uh, very few are trading it to uh, make Bitcoins, um, which is the real hard money, <laughs> right? So, so yes, for me, um, I did become holder immediately uh, after I uh, got some Bitcoins in 2015. Uh, but then uh, I've been interested in trading for many years. I started trading in, back in 2001 uh, in the, the dot-com bubble. Um, been trading stocks and options and futures for many years. But after I discovered Bitcoin, uh, I've never traded uh, stocks again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only Bitcoin um, derivatives, futures and options right now. 
and um, I I really love it. Um, so there are so many aspects about it. It's unbelievable, like you said, separation of uh, money and state. Um, and for me, um, giving you the, the the freedom to um, to own your um, something that you own it, like your money in the bank uh, are not yours. Uh, that that's the first thing about it, and then the the freedom that it gives you out of that. And uh, um, I'm libertarian at heart. And but but if you think about it, um, the the trading aspects and the decentralization aspect, it's it's unbelievable because what I'm really interested in is um, being able to trade on decentralized exchanges. Uh, the centralized exchanges have a lot of shortcomings. Uh, of course, we've come a long way um, trying to remove banks out of the equation, but we want to remove the centralized uh, aspect uh, as well because um, if you hold your Bitcoin on, on a centralized exchange um, and trade it, it it's, there is a third party uh, risk there. So you never know what's going to happen. We had so many hacks and, and everything. Um, I pretty much don't hold any um, Bitcoins on any exchanges um, except the one I'm trading on. Um, and since I trade derivatives, um, you have uh, the luxury of um, trading on leverage and risking uh, a little bit of, uh, of your capital. Okay, let's get let's get down the rabbit hole of derivative trading, um, and and help listeners understand uh, exactly what you mean by that. Because uh, I think many many new people coming into um, Bitcoin and looking at it and getting a little bit excited about the trading opportunity. Because I think that I think you hit the nail on the head. People come in, they think about it. Oh, it's a new market. I know a little bit about markets. I can make money on this, and they're just doing it to get in and out. And they've got fear in the back of their mind, and they're right. trying to make money because they want money, like fiat money. Whereas what you're saying is, I don't want any of that money ever again. I want to stack my sets and I'm going to use trading, um, uh, derivative trading and uh, strategies to do that. Uh, so how are you doing that? What, what kind of techniques are you employing? So, so the first thing is the first appeal uh, about uh, derivatives and derivatives are both futures uh, and options and uh, bitmex um, exchange uh, was uh, the pioneer in that they've created uh, something called uh, perpetual swap uh, contracts for futures uh, which uh, doesn't expire so you can trade it all the time there is no uh, expiration date they do have the regular futures as well with uh, expiration dates they have uh, quarterly uh, futures um, so you can you have a lot of strategy but the the big appeal about uh, these derivative products are that they're not denominated in bitcoins so you don't need uh, fiat to to trade um, you need only bitcoin um, and you can trade those uh, futures and um, there is another exchange, Deribit, uh, which has uh, options and they're the leader in options. Uh, of course, we now have the um, CME and Pact for institutional investors, uh, but they're far away from um, mainstream. Uh, I mean, I have friends that trade uh, from hedge funds uh, millions of dollars and they can't um, 
get the position they want uh, in these exchanges yet. So, so we are really, really in the early days. But uh, talking to them, the infrastructure is getting built um, around the, those exchanges. So BACT and CME, they need a lot more infrastructure around it. And Wall Street is very, very interested in this. They're getting into it, but it's going to take time. Um, so for now, is the, the Wild West exchanges that we use, <laughs> like BitMEX and, and, and other Bybit, Deribit. Um, um, but um, but the, the, the big appeal is that you hold your funds in Bitcoin, you trade them, and you make Bitcoins uh, when, you, uh, when you make profit on just trading. And there are a lot of strategies. You can do market neutral strategies, uh, arbitrage um, by um, using the, the futures premium, uh, futures get premium uh, when they're for, let's say, for three months in the future or six months in the future. Um, you can um, do that. Uh, you can sell options for premium to capture the premium. Uh, of course, you can do directional trading as well, uh, which I'm doing a little bit of. Um, and um, uh, trading is hard, though. Uh, it's not for everybody. Very few, <laughs> few traders make it. Uh, it's really hard. Um, but uh, you can be conservative um, because uh, if you understand um, what sats are and Bitcoin <laughs> and what, uh, what they can bring for your future, you are very, very conservative in trying not to lose them. You're so right. It is very, very difficult. It is so hard to to even start to understand, you know, like, a, like an option, for example, is pretty difficult to understand. Um, what would be like the, the quick overview of um, like an option for, for those people that have, have perhaps not really heard of the concept before? Right. Uh, options are a little bit different uh, than futures. So option uh, gives, you, um, gives you the right uh, to, to purchase the underlying asset and they have expiration uh, dates and premiums. Um, so so um, not many people actually uh, buy them um, to, to be able to purchase the underlying asset. They are more using them um, to, um, to, to capture the premium. So if you have the underlying asset and you are selling the options, is what uh, Wall Street, how, how they make their money. People who are buying it, are more on the speculative side, uh, waiting for some kind of an event or something to where the asset uh, will, will jump a lot and the uh, option premiums will, will increase. Uh, however, <laughs> the way Wall Street uh, created them for it's totally different. They, they sell them. That's the primary reason for options is selling the premium to capture that uh, premium um, and um, limit your uh, risk. Um, so. So, so yes, uh, and, and futures and the leverage, uh, there are uh, incredible leverages uh, in, in cryptocurrencies. <laughs> so you can trade up to 100x leverage, but of course, um, not many traders do, that's just insane. However, um, the leverage is really important too, if you know how to use it, um, like um, most traders use like two to three, maybe up to five, uh, 5x leverage but uh, but what that gives you is uh risking less of your capital um and and trying to make the same uh income that you desire um, 
So that, that, that are the two biggest aspects for me, being able to not sell your Bitcoin to trade and uh, using leverage to, um, to risk less of your capital. So. Okay, and I've also seen you um, tweeting about uh, something, a strategy called a risk reversal, which few people might, uh, might understand. Like, um, um, like market neutral strategy or, 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 or risk uh, reversal, you mean like um, when the, the, the mean reversion is what you yeah. Yes. Yes, so the mean reversion uh, I use uh, uh, a lot of times uh, when the asset um, has this huge runs, especially in, in the cryptocurrencies. We've seen them in 2017, um, this blow of <laughs> a bull market. Um, you can use uh, some of these tools to, uh, to, to capture a lot of uh, that. Uh, for example, on the, uh, on the top, when uh, Bitcoin was twenty thousand, uh, very close to twenty thousand dollars, the uh, the futures had three thousand dollars premium. <laughs> and uh, when uh, when you look at the longer term charts and you see uh, the price running away from the moving averages, uh, like long term traders know that eventually they get they converge to each other. It doesn't mean that it's gonna crash back down to the averages, but they they do converge at some point. So uh, you can do a lot of uh, things with that uh, mean reversion strategies and uh, try to capture uh, the premium of the futures as well as uh, the fact that it's going to come down and eventually meet with those uh, moving averages. So there are a lot of uh, different strategies uh, that you can um, utilize as a trader. Um, many people uh, stick with one. Uh, whatever works for for them, maybe to the most. But uh, but yes, there are, there are many many different ones. Uh, I'm very interested in, um, in arbitrage and neutral uh, market strategies, where you just um, collect the. Oh, the, the, I wanted to mention something else. So other than premiums and futures and options, you also have something uh, new uh, with the. Uh, well, it's not really new, but uh, something in cryptocurrencies where uh, there is funding. So when you buy um, the perpetual contract, because there is no expiration date um, and they don't want it to have premiums, uh, the exchange creates something called funding where uh, longs or shorts, depending on if the funding is positive or negative, will have to pay this funding. So if you are holding um, uh, the perpetual contract long, for example, uh, and there is a little bit premium compared to spot price of Bitcoin uh, of that perpetual contract, uh, the long uh, holders will pay premium every eight hours in the case of uh, BitMEX. Um, in the case of Derby Exchange, uh, uh, the, you're paying the funding continuously, like all the time. In, in the case of BitMEX, every eight hours you pay that funding, right? And uh, whoever is on the other side, if, uh, whoever is short that contract, they receive that funding. Uh, so the, the exchange doesn't really get any of that money. It's, uh, it's supposed to be peer-to-peer -peer, uh, contract. So the exchange doesn't ever own any contracts or it doesn't, it's not involved in any way. 
there is always 50% longs and 50% shorts. So a really interesting strategy is if you want to make fiat and not bitcoins is to capture that funding. So what you can do is uh, you can do something called uh, synthetic uh, USD where you deposit your bitcoins, let's say you deposit 10 bitcoins in the exchange and you short the perpetual contract futures for 10 bitcoins. So what, uh, what you're doing in essence, you don't have any risk in terms of fiat. You can't lose fiat, like you can't use, uh, lose US dollars because you have your 10 bitcoins and you're short 10 bitcoins. But what you do is you capture the funding. Every eight hours you get paid that funding rate. And sometimes that funding rate goes up to um, 0.37%, which um, it's a lot. Like annualized, um, some years you, you could make uh, between 20 and 30% just by capturing that funding. I hope all the mining companies are listening to this. This is... Oh, they, they do. Uh, they right. do. Oh, yes. My, uh, miners uh, are using futures to hedge their operations for sure. Yes, that's, uh, that's, their, that's their bread and butter. So it's just that I, I, I was talking to JP Barrick the other day and he was telling me about all of the, um, the new companies that are coming in, like uh, huge companies like BP and Shell. And he was saying JP Morgan Chase are, are mining Bitcoin. So, I mean... Those kind of guys, they're going to understand this market. But what other what other companies are going to come into this space and start utilizing mining as um, a way to capture uh, an extra revenue stream? But are going to need like the skill set of somebody like yourself to come in and, and manage that book. Uh, that's right. I power think, companies. Uh, I just read an article the other day that a New York power company um, is mining Bitcoin. They're making a lot of money. <laughs> Um, I forgot exactly the number, but it was uh, it was big, and uh, they put a lot of miners uh, in their power plant uh, and use the energy they generate to to mine Bitcoin. So yes, um, it, it's it's um, growing in a big way. Uh, it used to be China as the main source of mining, but uh, a lot of new mines uh, like were created in. Um, U.S., in Canada, in, in a lot of different places uh, around the world, um, like uh, water power plants, um, solar power plants, uh, and a lot of uh, this kind of uh, power, uh, renewable power can be used to, to mine as well. And like you said, uh, Wall Street, what they uh, post and Jamie Diamond and all kinds of other talking heads on TV. Uh, they're always against Bitcoin, but under, under, behind the scenes, they are getting into it big time. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, you, you can see it. Uh, it's amazing when, when you see them come out and like, like uh, you know, FUD the whole thing and you're like, you fuckers. <laughs> You, you, you know, you're just trying to suppress it. You're just trying to keep the fear out there. And all the while, you're just building it out. You're, you're mining your own coins. You're, you're, yeah. Okay. Um, well, this market is going to explode. There's, there's, there's huge potential here. Huge. There is. And um, 
many people are still uh, questioning it, and and I understand. Um, like in my mind, uh, I I ask questions myself, but the the huge aspect around Bitcoin is the scarcity, right? Uh, and people don't really realize what that will do. Um, right now, we have this bull markets and bear markets, and and when we have the bear markets. Um, and especially now, um, like like people's emotions and how they invest in the stock market and, and, and in crashes, you know what happens, right? They they get crushed. They uh, moms and pops uh, always um, get into gold or stocks at the top, and then uh, the fear uh, <laughs> selling at the bottom, and, and the professionals are using that. But but what people don't re- realize is. Um, many things uh, about Bitcoin just as another asset like gold and they compare it to gold uh, very often or, or like stocks or, or other uh, assets, right? And what they don't realize is, yes, there are these bear markets, but what, what is coming in an amount of fiat that is going to try to get into this market, it's going to be unbelievable. It, people will not be able to buy one bitcoin it's not going to be possible but right now it's the opposite they're scared to buy it it's like what what it's eight thousand dollars or something and especially with this market crash and the virus and everything like they don't realize that eight thousand dollars is not a lot of money but 44 millionaires or something around the world cannot buy one bitcoin and they have this question on the back of their mind and they're saying, but maybe it's all going to collapse, right? And nobody wants to own it and they don't want to buy it. But they don't see what's happening behind the scenes. It's coming. I'm sure it's coming. I agree with you. You know I do. <laughs> That's why I do this podcast. Because I want other people to understand that. And, you know, this is the only way that I can get the message out as as to as wider audience as possible um scarcity you, you're so right and yeah i mean like the as soon as people realize that we I, I i an analogy is like 10 15 years ago if you look at like the gambling market just on sports but sports betting used to be you could bet on a score in a game you could bet on a horse that won and you know that was it now you can bet down to like uh, the, 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 a second of the first throw-in in a football game. How many corners? How many headers? Right? It's just all of this nonsense that you can bet on. Um, it's crazy. That's, and that's across all sports, right? Not just soccer. I'm just using that as an example. Um, so what's coming now with building out futures and options markets and derivative markets around Bitcoin you can bet with cryptocurrencies with Bitcoin on the presidential election right now. My goodness, really? Yes. FTX exchange. Uh, there are futures for Trump, Biden, all, all the candidates. And there's a company called Sportsbet.io that um, sponsor Watford Football Club in the UK. Uh, I don't know if you watch any football, but um, Watford, they play in yellow. And on their sleeve, they have the Bitcoin logo. Right, right. I saw that, yes. Which, you know, I, I, I'm in two camps. I'm like, that's awesome, but please don't anyone gamble 
with any Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, don't. Use fiat to try and win Bitcoin if you want to do that, but like, don't once you have it. But it's there. It's happening. Uh, poker with Bitcoin, gambling with Bitcoin, everything. Yes. And it's, it's not that much. Uh, these industries are getting disrupted, but it's not much, that much around uh, Bitcoin. It's more about, for, in my mind, it's more about tokenization of assets. Um, and using these tokens to uh, as a as a medium of uh, exchange, right? And and doing that, and it's so easy right now to send money over the internet, right? Um, compared to something like gold or or, or wire transfers. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, everything changed with Bitcoin. It's like overnight uh, now. Now everything is different. You can't go back. There is no way to go back. No, absolutely. There, there is no going back. Uh, there is no turning back. And, you know, there, there is just going to be more and more people that slowly start adopting it. And like you say, as soon as that starts happening, the amount of... Well, let's talk about markets, stock markets right now, because yesterday what happened, like uh, markets were down like 2,000%. Um, we had limit down, um, suspended trading. Uh, right, 2,000 points. Right. To, uh, sorry, not percent. Seven <laughs> percent. It's a big. Uh, it's a big down day. Not as much as the eighty-seven crash of twenty something percent, but uh, but we were down uh, before that. So overall, we're down twenty percent on this uh, virus. And what are your thoughts around what can they do now to? to stem because we had the fed last week uh they come in and did a, an emergency cut right that didn't help oh my god no it's not gonna help uh <laughs> they're gonna cut further and um to tell you the truth i don't know uh, i don't know but um there are two scenarios one is uh everything is overblown um they they're using this event and the media and the fear uh, behind it, um, um, Wall Street has al always done that, always. So there are two possibilities, and we all know what they are doing, right? But um, one possibility is um, we will have this for another few weeks, and market will uh, bottom at some point, um, at around some major levels, uh, 200 day moving average or something like that, uh, 2600. Or, or whatever it is, or it could go further down, uh, but um, market will bottom uh, in a few weeks and then it will start going up again. And the reason behind that is uh, the whole printing of fiat money around the world, right? Uh, um, assets are getting inflated, although uh, there is this uh, discussion about the Fed controlling the inflation and there is no inflation and there might be deflation and depression is coming and all, all these talks about around it. But the fact is that in, real inflation is way, way higher than, than what governments are leading us to believe. So the, the, the one uh, I think is in the summer, the virus will go away and uh, will keep uh, going up. The other possibility is a huge crash in the market. Um, and a, a big recession uh, coming in some kind of a reset. Uh, although I, I don't see the signs of that yet. I'm not sure when it will happen, but that, that will happen as well. 
and who knows what uh, what we have in store uh, prepared. Uh, I'm sure it will be some kind of digital currency that uh, governments are going to come up with uh, for the replacement of the dollar. And but who knows when this is happening? I have no idea. Okay. Markets are rigged. Oh, of course, of course, big time. Thank you. I put a tweet out about that. It, it gets people angry. But it does, yeah. I don't know why, though. It's like, we know they are. <laughs> if you can change the rules of the game anytime you want, then the game is rigged. Yeah, why wouldn't you do it, right? What is QE if, is it, if it isn't rigging the market? You it, know, a, a, a trader, you know what a trader uh, told me the other day? He... He makes millions of dollars trading. Uh, he told me, if you have a billion dollars and you can screw traders, let's say in Bitcoin, right? You can make it so they go long and you turn it around on them and crash the market and make a bunch of money because you have a billion dollars and you can uh, deploy it as a capital in this uh, very tiny market, right? It's very tiny. You can move it around uh, like crazy if you have the capital. Mm, wouldn't you do it? He asked me and I'm like, of course I'll do it. That's how they make money. Man. So that brings us to free markets and Austrian economics. And how do you see, what, what, what are your thoughts around, um, you know, Bitcoin being a, a free market? and uh, giving power back to the people, monetary mm. sovereignty and... Yeah, it's huge, it's huge. Um, I didn't know about Australian economics before Bitcoin. And then um, many people come the other way around. They know about Australian economics and then they learn about Bitcoin um, and libertarians and, and all that. But um, after I discovered Bitcoin, I started going that other rabbit hole learning more about and it was it made so much sense like i didn't like the markets the way they are and the keynesian economics and the growth economy oh my god uh, this is such an unbelievable stupidity like uh, producing so people can consume i'm so against that it's like crazy and and uh, if you're not growing that means the economy is not good uh, i hate that as well uh, but uh, but yes um um, it's it's so related. Uh, like I, I could just say that uh, Bitcoin was created out of the cypherpunks and the Australian economics and the libertarian people. Um, everything, uh, all of that is connected. Uh, the mindset, the thinking behind it, it's the same. And what are you, what are your thoughts about um, how do we get more people to learn about Bitcoin? And uh, what what do you think needs to be built for you know, better adoption? Um, I, I think, uh, I was thinking the other day about this talking to a friend and, um, and a relative as well. And, and I think um, a, lot is, a lot is being done right now. Um, there are so many people working in the Bitcoin community with, uh, uh, around the software and the wallets and uh, different products that are getting created. Um, but I was thinking about the other aspect, about the education and services that actually help people um, not only learn about Bitcoin, 
because once they know about it, uh, the next question is um, great. How do I get some, right? How do I buy some? And um, making it easy for them to buy uh, or, or learn about all these technicalities, which are still very hard, it's in my mind is not the way to get them in. In my mind, we need to create services to um, help them uh, with that. So build businesses around that, right? Um, help people buy the Bitcoin, secure them into their hardware wallet, um, show them, uh, teach them around it, but do it for them. Don't let them figure it out themselves because we made it easier on them to do it, right? Uh, and let them uh, have to figure out everything themselves. Actually create some services, some businesses around doing it for them. Like um, I, you probably know there are a lot of uh, discussion around custodial services and fidelity getting into Bitcoin and all of that and banks getting into custodial holding the Bitcoins for you. Oh my God, that drives me crazy. It's like the whole point of Bitcoin is that you hold it that you hold the private keys for it. I, I, it's not about custodial services, somebody holding it for you, like the banks holding the money uh, on your behalf. It's all about creating services to, uh, to, to give the power uh, to the people of uh, actually being able to buy it and hold it themselves and secure it themselves. Great. And I don't know if you've heard of Swan Bitcoin, but they're, they, they're very aligned with, with what you just said. And that's what they're building in, um, in the US. Uh, I've had um, Corey on the show last week and uh, I spoke with Jan, uh, Jan, excuse me, uh, last night, Jan Pritzker, who is the author of um, Inventing Bitcoin. And this is what Switpoint, Swan Bitcoin, they want um, th exactly that. They want to set you up with dollar cost averaging and education. So it's um, very, very, I'm, I'm going to put you guys in touch because you're clearly very, very aligned on your thinking. And I'm sure somebody with, um, with your knowledge and experience could certainly add uh, a lot of value. So I'll make sure I do that after the show. And if uh, Corey and Jan, if you're listening, reach out to Crypto Addict. <laughs> He's got some great, uh, some great ideas. Um, I usually end the show with uh, a question around if there's one person that you would like to to hear or if you could educate one person about bitcoin and then have them go and share that message with their audience who could reach a far wider audience than we could ever dream of who would that be and why oh that's quite a question one person huh? donald trump And why? <laughs> if, if we get if we get him to say Bitcoin is real, oh my God, what will happen? Why? Because he's uh, he's very straightforward. He doesn't. He's not afraid to say what he thinks. It doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. He is straight to it. He will do it. There is no going around dancing around issues or something like that. Um, he will just go straight into it and say, this is what I think. That's it. Yep. 
All right. And then hopefully that would uh, get into millions of people's eyes and uh, at least start picking up a book or listening to a podcast or two to, uh, to help them start understanding it. Oh, for sure. Excellent. Well, is there anything, um, anything else that you want to um, leave the listeners with? Where, where can they find you? And um, anything, um, last messages that uh, you want to get out there to anybody that's listening? Um, sure. I, um, I, the easiest way to find me is on Twitter, uh, at Global Life 365. Um, and uh, I'm uh, working on a, a couple of projects, but uh, don't have anything yet. So perhaps in another podcast in the future, I will give you more information about that. Um, but uh, yes, I'm uh, interested in uh, joining some uh, Bitcoin projects and um, have a lot of experience in software development and really passionate about Bitcoin. So you have there two skills <laughs> or two aspects uh, that are very important. Um, so yes, if um, there is something uh, I'm always interested in joining. So you've got the, uh, the Bitcoin love, you've got uh, software development skills, and you have the trading skills. So you could even like, uh, be CTO and chief, chief risk officer as well. Uh, so <laughs> there you go, people. There you go, listeners. <laughs> There's someone looking for, uh, looking for a project. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing um, you know, so much information. I, I loved going down the education rabbit hole and, and, you know, I, I you know, I, as I've said before, I think there's a huge tie in between um, Bitcoin altering your, uh, t- uh, um, your time preference to low time preference. And if you've got your family around you uh, much more than um, of course, all the better. And if you're educating them in a different way, uh, I think, um, I think this is the future. So thanks for sharing. No problem. Thank you. Hey guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode uh, got you thinking a little more about the uh, the alternatives you have when it comes to education for, for your kids. Um, for those of you that have kids or those of you that are thinking about having kids, um, this is a rabbit hole that I've been living in for the last, well, since 2014. And there's a whole chapter about this in my book about world schooling and and, uh, alternative education. And I faced, um, as you would know, as Bitcoiners, you face a lot of judgment when you start talking about alternative finance and you get a lot of eye rolls and you get a lot of, you know, (laughs) that kind of noise. You get a lot of judgment. Um, I've been told before. Uh, flat out by somebody that um, they feel bad for me that I've fallen for this whole scam and I'm going to lose all of my money and end up basically poor and um, you know skin um, because you know I'm dumb and stupid and I've fallen for this. That's the kind of criticism that you face as well when you decide to make a, uh, a whole life change and take your kids out of school, which is what my wife and I did uh, six years ago when we decided to to change our lives. You know, I realized, as did uh, Crypto Addict here, that, um, you know, the, com- the, the company that I was working for and the career that I had built ultimately wasn't serving me as a person because it was just leaving me stressed, anxious, angry, uh, not in the best of shape, 
to say the very least, because you just sit at a desk all day long. And, um, you know, it's very underrated, the the, the toll that uh, this corner we paint ourselves into takes on us. Uh, we think we've got to uphold it, though, because it's our career and it's what we've built over the years and it's what we use to provide for our families. And selfishly, it's an identity. And when you give all of that up, or when you come to the realization that perhaps I should be thinking about life in a different way, and uh, as I said in the interview, for me, I, I picked up, well, a friend forced me to pick up a, a copy of The 4-Hour Workweek and that, uh, by Tim Ferriss, and that changed my thinking. Suddenly, I woke up and I'm like, hang on a minute, you know, why, <laughs> for what reason am I doing this? Uh, I've got four kids at home. I'm not seeing them. I'm not watching them grow up. I'm not being a part of their life. I'm pretty much a, a lodger at the weekend in my own home. This, 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 something's wrong. Like that is crazy. And I went down the rabbit hole of, of looking into different choices. And it was TED Talks from uh, Sir Ken Robinson that really helped us, you know, kind of start down the rabbit hole of what you have a choice. Your kid doesn't actually have to go to school. Now that's not true in all countries, as you heard from um, Didi Tahutu, the first guest on the show. Go back and check out his check out his episode because he and his family are world schooling their their three kids and uh, Bitcoiners. Uh, really, really interesting story. In some countries, it is illegal. Uh, I, I believe it's illegal in Sweden, Germany, and Holland, just off the top of my head, in Europe, but certainly legal in the US and Canada uh, to, to take your kids out of education. You know, it, it's not mandatory that they go to the school nearest to your house. You have choices. And now, with this black swan event of coronavirus, you know, like... Gradually, then suddenly, how about zero, then all at once? That's what's going on right now with homeschooling and alternative education. And this is like, this truly excites me for humanity because so many of you now are going to start looking into, right, I'm on the hook now for educating my child. And don't make the mistake of just taking the, the classroom into the home. Don't forget, you thought school sucked. It still does, by the way. It hasn't changed in 150 years. It's shit. Dwell on that. Don't bring that into the home. What is available to you is a shit ton of resources online that can help you and help your child interact with, whether it's courses, Go to Khan Academy. That's like the number one. Khan Academy. Watch Sal Khan's TED Talk. Go to my website, princesofthegrid.weebly.com. That's the blog that we built when we were traveling around the world with the kids for three years. World schooling, homeschooling, unschooling, whatever you want to call it. There's three separate rabbit holes for you, which I'm going to start exposing as this plays out. Go to that blog because on there, uh, under the uh, the video section, or homeschooling section, it might be under the homeschooling section, are some of the TED Talks that helped unlock our thinking and 
help us get to the realization that you can take control. You, you know, this is sovereignty of your child's education. And the stuff that they're getting taught at school is pointless for the most part. Pointless, rote learning, fact remembering, remembering dates, remembering events that are specific to the country you live in, so they're biased. It's another way of building nationalism within the educational system. Believe me, I live in France. I see it. Uh, I was brought up in the UK um, education system. Like the stuff you learn in history is all about how Britain was great and how we won the day and how we are the greatest nation that ever lived and how the sun, set ne- how the sun never used to set on the, uh, the British Empire. All this kind of bullshit. How does that serve any of us in later life? And and don't think homeschooling is is that. Don't think homeschooling is sitting down to teach the STEM, like the science, technology, um, languages, and mathematics. Um, think 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 further afield, and in fact, let your kid like lead the way. Your 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 job as a home educator is to get out of the way. And as soon as you see something spark in them, whatever it is, just help nurture that. I mean, today I was out, um, I rigged up a uh, a bit of a shanty greenhouse with my nine-year-old son and then planted some seeds. And for him, that was amazing. And we got to learn about, you know, fertilizer, the different shapes and sizes of seeds, how a plant gives off seed and how that becomes um, uh, a seedling and why and why we have to give it water and why it needs to be in a greenhouse at this time of year. That's education. It's not sitting down doing two times two is four and et Um, Of course, it's important that you do stuff like that, but there are a hundred different ways that you could do that counting the seeds for example but i'm ranting (laughs) excuse me listeners uh there's gonna be more on this as it unfolds because what's happening right now is everybody's getting pushed into this uncomfortable position where they think that they've got to be their high school teacher you don't and don't become that because that is what you despise and that is a negative feedback loop because as soon as you get disengaged kids you're going to start screaming at them and they're going to stop listening and then you're going to start feeling bad about yourself and then you're going to start saying i knew i couldn't teach my kids i was always dumb at school all of this shit is so deep down programmed into our bones because this is the system that we were brought up in. Sit down, shut up, do not question, listen to the authoritar at the front of the room. Yeah, it doesn't work, and nor should it work. Your kids should be able to challenge you and ask you a question without you losing your shit. <laughs> that's just that that's the way it should be. And that's the way we need it to be. It takes a lot of patience. It it really does. But take the pressure off. Try and, it's so difficult, it really is, especially if you've been 
if it's not a decision that you've you know consciously made go and check out the ted talks go and read up on some books john holt has so many books h-o-l-t um go look on um john taylor ghetto some of his um youtube talks as well uh i'm gonna um I'm going to help you guys out as much as I can. Last year, I hosted, organized, and um, was one of the speakers at an online homeschooling summit. I personally interviewed at Sir Ken Robinson and uh, Dr. Peter Gray as well, among others. Um, there were some amazing interviews on there. We're going to release every single one uh, for free. So keep an eye on that. I'll announce that tomorrow, probably on a Periscope on Twitter. Because this is um, this is too important now. Who coronavirus? This thing's going to change so many aspects of our lives. It's going to change the way we educate forever. Because there's going to be a huge percentage of people that, when they see. The change in their kid. Look, if your kid is at home homeschooling for the next six to eight weeks and you notice just the slightest positive change in their attitude, that's a huge fucking red flag. Make sure you're tuned into that. And if you see a change for the positive, that means there's something wrong at school and we all know what that could be. And we all know there's trouble at school. There's mental troubles, anxiety, which leads to all kinds of disorders, whether that's behavioral disorders or eating disorders. It's real shit. So keep an eye on it. And, um, you know, uh, my heart goes out to everybody. I I, I want everybody to... um, be healthy, be safe. Uh, weird times we're living in. Uh, this is a very timely episode to, to release this one now, um, especially uh, talking about um, the, the homeschooling and uh, alternative education, but also uh, the, the the hodling and the trading aspect of Bitcoin, considering the, uh, the price movement in the last week, which probably has a lot of you worried as well. Just hodl on as much as you can. Um, don't trade unless you really, really know what you're doing. Um, because uh, crypto addict here, he's, um, he's deep down into these derivative worlds. He, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to manage the risk. He knows what he's happy with. And he's doing it to not, not to, to score more fiat. He's doing it to, to try and add to his stack. Um, so, yeah, be, be, be really careful. Um, reach out to him on Twitter. I'm sure be happy to uh, follow him on Twitter because he's always putting up strategies and letting people know what he's doing. Um, I really want to thank uh, Crypto Addict for coming on. I'm, I'm sure we'll do a round two at some point. And uh, I want to wish all of you guys well. Um, if you've listened to me rambling on, you can probably hear the passion in my voice when it comes to alternative education. It's because I've been there, I've done it, I've experienced it, I've seen the difference it makes. I've met hundreds of families. When you speak to these kids, when you speak to a homeschooled kid, you're like, oh my God. How are you 12 years old? The, the, the difference is just crazy. And especially for the, um, 
North American listeners, I think there's a big stigma that goes around with homeschooling. It's not, it's not true. Um, we, we broke down all of these stigmas on the, uh, the world schooling, um, summit that we had, uh, you know, homeschooled kids are not weird. They're not unsociable. They, uh, it's not for religious cults. Um, all of this other nonsense that goes around it. Uh, I hope, um, you get to check it out. I'll, I'll release the details, uh, over the next couple of days. If you, um, if you want to support the show, just share it. Just, just, just hit the share button. Send it to your closest friend or somebody you think this episode might resonate with. Um, that'd be the absolute best thing. If if you want to leave a review, that's great. I'm not going to ask you to to do that. Um, I, I know that can be a pain in the balls, uh, especially if you're just sitting on the train skipping between podcasts. You're not going to sit there and type out a review, so uh, it's a bit. Um, bit too much to ask for that but if you can just bang a share button to somebody that you think would be interested in it and would get value from it then uh you'll help me just reach another listener and that's uh that's that's the state of play that we're at um learn more about me at princey 1976 uh, as i said i've got um i've got a, a my blog that i started when we were traveling was uh princes off the grid i've started a website for this podcast um there's not much information on there at the moment. Uh, this is still a new project, but uh, go find that at uh, once-bitten.com. Um, I look forward to uh, the next episode, and uh, please retweet out and share with your friends. More importantly, stay safe. Have um, have a good week, uh, wherever you are, and um, yeah, catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.